that yet but inevitably we will we just lost there's the lost the lost tapes the lost two or three the lost tapes i mean one day i kind of think we might find them i don't think so i think that the card was corrupted yeah maybe i think i have this like dream that like we'll do like 200 of these and then on like episode 200 we find the lost tapes and then we're like way worse at you know we listen back and we're like wow we shouldn't release these (laughs) Because we hopefully, theoretically got better. Hopefully we're better at that point. I'm just going to read a note from my phone. I think that that could be a fun, like, because I always just write down, this was like my favorite question. If you ever, if you uh, have subscribed and given us your um, valuable dollars, there's uh, bonus episodes on the website, www.atonof.com that are like interviews with Detroit people. I asked them to read. Um, a note off their phone and um, everyone's is like all over the place but from like very beautiful sad hilarious ridiculous want to hear a note give me your note it's titled tiny pillow dispenser oh they come out the size of a tic tac and quickly inflate to a pillow Character puts them under the heads of people they kill. I think this is for like a character in a book. I don't remember. I wrote it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. The music video you showed me for some reason made it, me think of it this. It feels note. like a Pez yeah. dispenser of pillows. Uh huh. Yeah. Of murder pillows. Of murder pillows. Yeah. I do. I mean, does the so you're you're coming up with like a whole true crime universe? Is the are they killing them with the pillow? Yeah. Is that's it how sm- they they're an assassin and they have this tiny like Pez pillow dispenser, but it's like comes out, it's like boop, and then it's like a tic-tac that comes out and you put it then under it their, their head like a little pillow, and then it turns into a pillow that then explodes. explodes oh, it's an exploding pillow. Yeah, sorry, did I not say that part? No, I thought you killed the them and then... Uh, the tic-tac quickly inflates into a pillow character puts it under the heads of the people they kill. Oh, sorry, okay, no, 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 I, I reread it wrong. Okay, so the character kills is a, is an assassin, uh-huh. and they their like calling card is they like like they murder the person and then they boop out the tic tac yeah and it inflates into a pillow and they put it under the head of the the person they just murdered yes okay that's what I that's what I initially got out of it yeah you were right I was okay. wrong about my own about thought. your own thought. <laughs> well actually. <Sarah. laughs> I think this means Let we've me... spent either too much time together or the exact right amount of time. Right. That you were <laughs> your <laughs> interpretation of my thought was actually more what my thought was. <laughs> um tell us about the band. Okay, so we're gonna be talking about Josephina Dusk today. Super cool. Individual artist, right? Okay. Individual artist. Okay, yeah. yeah. They uh they are from the Czech Republic. Though they specifically designate uh, Czechia as that is contentious within the nation formerly known as Czechoslovakia, yeah. formerly known as Bohemia, currently known as the Czech Republic. Though technically it's Czechia, and you get like it's about fifty-fifty split. My step grandpa was from Czechoslovakia. Right. Yes. <laughs> he didn't make as good of music. 
It, yeah, I don't think he was doing horny jellyfish bangers. Which is, you know, on him. Right. I, uh, Come on, I would Grandpa. talk to him about it, but he is dead. So. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be getting into uh, talking about Josefina's uh, releases. This is I Don't Heart Radio. Uh, I'm Summer Krinsky. And I'm Scott Murphy. And this could be your new favorite band. Which is Josephina Dusk. All right. Theoretically. I mean, I'm a huge fan already. You showed me a song and a music video, and I'm like I'm totally bl- blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the latest EP is called Sklabunik, parentheses, My Jellyfish. Yeah. It's got... Five tracks, they are all good. And this is existing in a very uh, kind of dance era, it's Bjork. It's like out there electronic. Yes. Yeah. I, it's defi- definitely experimental avant-garde, but also, you know, like cool and listenable and head boppy. And yeah. Like, um, I, maybe it was just because I was actually listening to them this uh, just like recently, I was going back to, oh man, what was that South African band um, that was like super creepy? Like, oh, um, um, that's now very kind of canceled. Are they canceled? What they do? Like a lot of. Who are we talking quite, about? Uh, we're talking I mean? about it's the it's the ninja <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah. So ninja is the I dude. And you like, like it a lot. lot. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, word. Yeah. Wait, oh, they're canceled. They have done may maybe some stuff with kids, allegedly. Ooh. Okay. Well, There's, musically, right. <laughs> the music part that I liked. Oh man, come on. Come I'm on. sorry. That's why we need. So that's to say. Right. Well, so we replace, need a replacement. Here's your replacement. We found them. They're very cool. Uh, say the name again. I'm so bad. Josephina. Josephina. Dusk. Dusk. Yeah. Josephina Dusk. Josephina Dusk. Great name. Mm-hmm. That's a great rock and roll name. I'm a fan. The uh, music is in a similar vein, I think, of like and yes. and the music video in a like freak you out a little more like alien. There's there's a lot of alien stuff. I think that it's uh what's really working is that it's the electronics combined with um like the melodies and the Beautiful vocalizations. Melodies. I was gonna say that are yeah very rooted in folk music you know as some like i i i studied a lot of like the turn of the century like eastern european like folk songs mm-hmm. like the bar talk stuff and all of that and it has those same inflections uh that that make it so so memorable it's it, weird but actually catchy yeah like the the melodies are really cool yeah, and well, I mean that even goes back to like these Eastern European, um, like Bohemia area, Hungarian area, um, all of those. Those have been routinely lifted by like traditional Western composers to put when they needed a banger. Yeah, they would go to Eastern Europe folk and go like, I'm gonna take this. Uh, Beethoven did it. Schubert did it. Like they all did it. They're like, I need a banger. Let's go see what the Eastern Europeans are doing. Beethoven's just sitting around like, I need a banger, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a it's been a second since I dropped a top forty single. 
gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go do some borrowing. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So, I mean, the, but the, it, it, I wouldn't just say that it's, it's calling upon those melodies, but I would say that like, or that those ideas, but yeah. it's like totally unique in its own way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's not a, that's uh-huh. not like a, this isn't a rip. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah. very, it, 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 it makes it so outside of a rip to, uh-huh. to like, uh, to pull from something that is, has a rich history and uh, uh, like sense of storytelling and tradition, which I think is even present in the music video. You yeah, know, that's can we why talk the, about that music video? Yeah, we can talk what about did the I just music watch? video. I mean, it was amazing. One, I mean, you said said it, and I thought I was thinking of it the moment you said it. It was like this is incredible ideas from low budget. Yeah, totally cooler than most music videos that have a huge. Budget. Oh, and it looks incredible. It looks incredible. It's so clever. There's, I mean, I like most music videos. I feel like I zone out like yeah. a few seconds in, and I'm not really watching it. I just kind of like am listening to the music. Um, this captured my attention the whole time. Like there is a story being told. I'm not sure. I've dissected exactly what's happening. There's aliens. There's a bird. There's there's witches. a bird nest. Um, maybe like all in a universe within, um, her mouth. Like, yeah, I think that the mouth is the like portal into this other world that's like hatching out of the bird nest. And maybe like the aliens are hatching out of the oh, bird nest. Oh, hell yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to watch it again. I feel like I could watch it like a hundred times and, and get like a slightly different, um, Story and we're talking about the video to uh, shuffle to the traffic sound, mm-hmm. which is the lead single off of the last release that came out in April, uh, which is STTS Shuffle to the Traffic Sound, uh, and then My Jellyfish just came out. So these are two EPs that came out within four months of each other, and they're both really good. Yeah, like within this world, the video is again calling upon there's a lot of dance elements that are it's like dance costumes simple co- but like super cool costumes really evocative uh-huh. storytelling through those elements and it's really it's like really pleasantly creepy yes yeah which, yeah yeah which like the music is that you know absolutely like hair's stand up kind of creepy like um like, you know, like you're, I feel like it, it keeps your attention because you're at attention because you're like, is this going to, ju- is someone going to jump out of this computer yeah. screen, one yeah. of these characters and like, do I, do I, am I about to get sucked into onto this planet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, it does take you to an entire other world. It's very purposeful and 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 it takes you that's why i love this this is why i picked it i felt like i was getting taken out of my comfort zone and being placed somewhere else yeah and like so a lot of music videos that i see these days that are doing stuff with kind of like the supernatural um kind of like um sort of uh, layering worlds on top of each other are using um, effects that it all looks like Blender. I'm not sure if it's all done in Blender, right. but that's kind of the common thing is like this Blender effect. And um, it, that's what we used when we worked with our friend Craig for the Steps music video. It's like yeah. our, ours wasn't just Blender. It was like Blender layered on top of um, 
things we shot. But um, this has the same feeling. Like if you watch someone do an animation in Blender and the way the camera pans, yeah, the way the camera like will kind of like come in and then throw and turn, um, super like like that in the way it's shot but then it's all it's all practical it's all practical effects super cool that's what i that's what i love i love that i i I love that it's getting away from doing the kind of template of like oh i'm gonna do something weird and creepy with like uh you know cgi Uh uh-huh uh because that is the you know, kind but of it's the shot going. like CGI. But it, that's yeah, what makes yeah, it yeah, cool. Yeah. Is like it's not. It, it got away from it in how they do it, but then it's like seems inspired by. It. It's like like it's like uh, you know, art imitating life, imitating art. It's back. I feel like it. Yeah. Something got well, the game of see, catch. There's a lot of beautiful within the within the video. There's a lot of like planned movement. Uh, so I mean, there's choreography within the actors. Yeah. But then there are there's like this stunning shot of kind of the the witch purple crystal scene where it the it very purposefully tracks from a gorgeous shot of the moon like down to mm-hmm. the purple witch crystal. Yeah. Uh, and and that that's getting that it's that it's that very purposeful movement of the camera that's evoking that that feel. Yeah, and a lot of visual tricks like um, things that oh, like mirrors. yeah mirrors of like a like a like layers with mirrors of like you know uh, these kind of tricks of the mind where the mirror is making the lips look closer but the face out of proportion. Something's like off. It's yeah, just, just a little off. Everything's a little off. Yeah. And that's um, that's everything that I want out of like creepy spooky. Yes. Yeah. And um and the classic like I love when things are kind of like um layered universe where uh you kind of zoom in on one uh and then it it be, it like oh, the yeah, thing yeah, yeah. from the final you zoom in on a thing and the thing from um the first image becomes the the Part, focal of the, of next the next frame yeah. yeah there's a lot of that with mouth and birdness oh, kind of so like good within. and again you all should go watch this video it's like we're we're again we're yeah, always talking about people uh, oh no <laughs> I mean it's super fun yeah but uh you know like anything that we talk about on the podcast this is stuff that is definitely not you know raking in the views so go watch it. Do the like, comment, and subscribe thing. Yeah, how many does... views does this like very amazing, incredibly done music video have? Uh, one thousand nine hundred and forty-seven. Yeah, that's just like that's not acceptable. So please go give. Don't just give it a view. Share it. Oh yeah. Like, comment, subscribe to it. That's. I mean that. That's the Lord's work. Yes. Is the like, <laughs> comment, and subscribe. And while you're at it, while you're like commenting and subscribing, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and a review, and five stars on Spotify, and uh, you know, follow our Instagram handles. I don't heart radio pod. Um, a ton of underscore mastering. That's me personally. And my personal Instagram is summer like the season music. Hell yeah! Wow, we did. I think we forgot to do it last episode. We That's did why, forget to do it last episode. Mind, last episode know? was a banger, though. Yeah, we there had was a just guest, so much content. Our first guest star. So uh anyway, Josephina is uh so they they self-describe themselves and this is this is fun because I think that you were picking up on a lot of it. Uh-huh. Uh the the thing that they use on all of their social media, on anything that's released, it is bratty 
sci-fi fetish synth pop. Hell yeah. I mean, I think that that is a very good That's it. descriptor of what was happening. <laughs> sci-fi fetish. Yeah. Sci-fi fetish, yeah. yeah. I mean, the costuming and everything. And I did find some there are some live performances and the the costuming and choreography they they kind of perform with like three or four dancer dancers mm-hmm. in performance and again i think that they're just bringing this aesthetic in uh in everything that they do i got to say i want to blow up your drums josephina if you're right if you're listening to this i feel like um just let me do a remix do it summer krinsky remix that would be awesome actually yeah i'd be all about that so that's everything that exists on josephina relatively new artist just started the two eps the two eps and a couple of singles in late 2021 oh wow so very so new this is to maybe this name at least or you know yeah this is very new i i think she's pretty young so this is uh this is fresh music this is a fresh artist so cool so cool uh and that's kind of everything that exists on josephina now Mm -hmm. so it's tangent time all right and i have a a highbrow examination and a lowbrow examination we're gonna do both okay but what do you want to go through first um let's start high go low okay we go high we go low yeah so I was looking into the history of Bohemia, the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, et cetera, et cetera, to, to get a feel yeah. for, you know, the the waters that we're living in. Uh-huh. And I was just going through, and um, Kafka is from Prague. Okay, so that, that's, that's like the, uh, you know, the poster, the little, the little sickly poet poster child for the uh, the artistic thing. There's still the Kafka Prize that is highly sought after in Prague. Is it a weird little bug? <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little weird little bug. Uh, what's the prize? Is it money? I think it's money. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, money's nice. <laughs> okay. So there's a couple of things at play here, uh, but I think that the most interesting thing is that Kafka's last work, his last short story, is... Josephine, the singer of the mouse folk. That's okay. that's like his last work, and I thought it was kind of fun because we're talking about Josephina, and then the the final work of maybe the... just a common name. Well, yeah, but <laughs> no, no, no. I know. Yeah, no, that we're, is cool. We're forging, and Forge quite specifically, <laughs> you're like you're fucking up my forge. <laughs> Come on, I would never. I wouldn't dare. I'm on board. So the. Uh, the premise of the story is really fun. There is debate as to if they are mouse people because there's nothing within the story that specifically says these people are mice. It's but just it's, the title? It's the title, and there's vague allusions to that they are like skittering around, that they feel like they're in constant danger, and there's occasionally like mysterious attackers uh-huh. From the from the sides, and it's like, ah, are, are you mice? Uh-huh. Uh, and they're vaguely characterized in a way, and it kind of matters. But uh, there's a little society of maybe mouse people that are uh, kind of endlessly toiling within kind of a factory life because uh, it's you know their 1920s. Yeah. Uh, 
vague labor movement happening. And within this mouse society, there is uh, Josephine, who is presented as the one person who can sing. All right? That's the that's kind of like the the way that they they picture. Josephine can sing. And okay. throughout the workday, Josephine will just perform. She'll sing in front of all of the the worker people and then they gather around. They stop what they're doing and they experience a moment of uh, like communal remembrance of their their history uh and uh and the importance of like experiencing life for something other than work yeah all right as the story develops the narrator is a definite character within it who is uh constantly inserting his own opinions onto what's happening Uh uh-huh uh and is kind of acting as a critic of Josephine and an examiner of the entire society as a whole. And he doesn't like the song? He feels that Josephine isn't a particularly strong singer, actually. Interesting. Yeah. So we've got this, this, uh, this setup where there's Josephine, the one possible mouse person who is the only one that can sing. And then the entire like worker force that treats Josephine with great reverence whenever she performs. Yeah. And then the narrator is kind of constantly critiquing Josephine. That so is the narrator a character that would like them to stop, to not stop working and appreciate this song? Or does the narrator truly... No, the narrator wishes that it was higher art. Huh. Yeah. Uh, because the narrator is also uh, recognizing that it is important for the workforce to not just work, but he just wishes that it was better. <laughs> and the uh, uh, that's kind of the, the core conflict, like moving through the story. Then we also learned that um, the workers throughout their day are singing. They're just not doing it as a performance. They kind of they do like a doopa 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 doop, you know. Uh-huh. They're just they're just kind of like doopa dooping as okay. they go, but they're not they're not performing. So they don't see what they do as the same as Josephine. But the narrator, as an outside observer, just goes, "Your doopa doopa doing is exactly the same as Josephine. You're literally doing the same thing." But she's calling it a performance. And the she's calling has it a, a performance. Problem. Yes. With it not being any better than the average dupa dupe. Yes. The narrator is examining the culture, and then the 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 actual mouse people have decided that Josephine is the one that performs, uh-huh. and they watch her performance. And the narrator isn't like the message isn't that like everyone's dupa dupes are equal. It's that there is better. There's the there is the possibility. Of, of a, a better, better dupe, 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 but no one is achieving that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, this then goes into Josephine's personal psychology, in which because Josephine has received the attention of the workers and they stop work, Josephine feels that her performances are valuable and that her talent is high talent. Right. And that she should be compensated for her work. 
uh, because basically she does her performance and then it's back to work. The right. workers go, they, we really appreciate this. Thank uh-huh. you very much. But back to work, please. And she feels that if she was compensated for performances and given like suitable time to rest and prepare and uh, learn new material, right? that she could ascend to high art. Uh-huh. And that uh, they need to allow her this, like society needs to allow Josephine to perfect her craft in order for it to be up to what the narrator would consider valuable. Right. Yes, because it's not magic that you get better and create something. Right. On another plane. You must practice and... Okay. So these are starting and that's to be on Josephine's side. <laughs> All right, we've we've converted you. One might say I'm identifying strongly with Josephine. That is the the uh, this is paired with the hunger artist, you know, like starving artist. The last two works of Kafka, and they are basically like, wouldn't it be nice if I wasn't dying? <laughs> wouldn't it be nice? So, uh, and that's basically that's basically the story. We've got this triangle. Of, uh, but then does the narrator ask like why give Josephine money and not any other worker? Because I guess then that's like the question if she isn't actually better. Yeah, I mean that's that's the core uh-huh. concept. Why would we promote this one? Uh, you know, and, and the argument was would be like if you are actively doing it, right? Then maybe then you then you're the one who does it. Right. <laughs> You've stepped up to the plate. Uh, right. That this is, in fact, valuable. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that's the story of uh, Josephine, the singer. What happens? Do they compensate her? No. It just kind of trails off, and then Kafka died. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, is he, what uh, Tuberculosis. Okay. It was the 20s. All right. So, is this, are, is this the high art analysis of this story and then you have a low or oh i mean there's just a low brow topic that also came off of this okay i mean so I'm we're, like we really... could stay in yeah yeah no no because no. i think that this is like a really interesting discussion because it's like something we've you know we obviously are as musicians ourselves it's an interesting concept of like how do you get funding does it all come from do you have to um who are you trying to are you and then it's also are you trying to impress the narrator right or are you trying to impress the other mice right those are those are two different avenues uh-huh uh and either one has the power to elevate you but neither one sees their um and that's a thing that's happening. The narrator isn't being generous with Josephine, uh-huh. and the workers, while enjoying the performances and basically going into a, uh, they experience spiritual bliss. Like there's a there's a reverence that overtakes the entire community. It's arguably the most important part of their day. But they don't want to pay her. They don't want to pay her. Yeah. But they don't want to pay her because. The na- because they agree with the narrator, with, but no, they no. Think it's that an entire separate thing. They just do don't they understand why they the, would pay her. why they would pay her, or that uh, they have received what they need. Uh huh. Why would we take this? Like, yeah, I mean, you get to perform for us, right? 
and we get every to day. We get to listen, and they don't We're, care about her ascending to a higher form because they don't can't even conceptualize what like the next level would yes, be. Yes, because just like, they're all d- dupa doing right. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like it's basically like it's like a IMDb Rotten Tomatoes. Are you trying to are you trying to impress the critic or the masses? And will either of them fund you? No. No. Neither of them will give you money. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll die of tuberculosis. And then you will you that is important to note. You will die of tuberculosis. So does it matter whether they're mice? It's just kind of like how funny it is. Yeah, is it just sad? Or... Is it just sad or is it kind of cute and funny? Is it kind of like a BoJack thing that if we imagine they're mice, it's like slightly lifted? Yeah, I think <laughs> that that's it. The dark humor is... It's a dog! Yeah. <laughs> it's a little... Ma- because if it's a little singing mouse uh-huh. and there's like little like mouse little workers... Mouse workers. Yeah, that's pretty cute. It's kind of cute. Yeah. This could almost... This is almost a Kafka Disney. Right. Kafka Disney crossover. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a crossover episode. All right. I mean, yeah, I it's it's kind of like an inter- it's it's kind of sad that there's no actual conclusion in the book, I guess. Yeah, but there's no conclusion in life. In, life. in our real life. That's yeah. the that, that is the uh, you know, the existentialist part of, you know, this yeah. is a this is a maybe they're mouse people, maybe they're not, but also this does mirror life in that there isn't really a solution here. Uh-huh. Uh, it's more we're posing these three separate viewpoints that exist within the same society, and there isn't currently a resolution to yeah. it. Uh, I mean, I think people have a really hard time conceptualizing why they should value culture. Yeah. Which, I mean, and I think because that... and, and part of that is because everyone's a part of culture. Like, everyone's a part of making culture, even if you're not, like, creating art. You are a part of culture because you're living in a human society. And that is, I mean, it is interesting that a thing that when you talk about Kafka a lot, um, one of the the core, this is kind of book club episode, but uh, <laughs> the fact that Kafka was constantly reconciling his um, pretty avowed socialist views with his disdain for... Um, the bureaucracy that arose from like centrally planned governments in the uh-huh. like twenties. Yeah. So that that Kafka saw the existence of a uh, when he was like an idealist socialist in the in the early nineteen hundreds. Right. His view of it would be, you know, being compensated for labor regardless of what that labor is. Totally. That's the, you know, that's the his bare bones. Standard. Like, yeah. he's wearing the the red carnation. He's a socialist. Uh-huh. But he also wrote The Trial. And he very clearly despised the, the, the erasing of, like, artistic culture in, uh, in the promotion of just, like, bureaucratic, uh, like, uh, central control. Mm-hmm. So... That that again comes up here, where there is a uh, you know a united workforce that is getting shit done. Right. You know the mice are they have a strong protected society. They have their 
their inner workings as laborers, but they are unable to see the furtherment of like musical culture as valuable. Yeah. So it's a, a core conflict within Kafka as a as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, and the, it's it's like it's all interesting. It's incredibly interesting, and I I like want a conclusion that isn't just tuberculosis. Oh man, it's always tuberculosis. Yeah. though. <laughs> that's always the uh, you know, I his conclusion was I am hungry, and I like that that those are his like final words. I am I'm hungry, hungry, and I die, and I die. <laughs> <laughs> that is an ending that is an ending okay so from kafka we're high yeah are we about to slide down i mean unless you have any further thoughts on like an artist's place in culture i mean i've i think the thought is that it's just it's so complex because what does it mean to be an artist who decides if you're an artist the narrator of the masses and right once they've decided that you're an artist how who's footing the bill yes and i mean maybe it's a little easier to get the masses to foot the bill but not, but is it well i i mean we travel around in like a clown car from town to town selling people shirts and that's <laughs> it works you know but that's not the masses that's not the well i mean it those would be. That is the workforce. They they. I think of the masses though as like um like popular music is like radio music. Like uh you know Beyonce is supported. Beyonce is Josephine, and is supported. I don't think that Beyonce is Josephine. Who's Beyonce? I think that Beyonce is would be outside of the. Uh, <laughs> Out, outside of the imagination of a tuberculous-ridden 1920s Eastern <laughs> European socialist. Like, you tell me Beyonce Be- isn't any of these mice. Why Beyonce is book? none of these mice. Where is Beyonce? Well, Beyonce is like a corporate monolith that had their latest album written by 500 writers uh-huh. and a robot. Yeah. And then the hyper-monopoly powers then made everyone listen to the new Beyonce record. But I would say that's ju- that's the massive like you the they have to, you have to stop work and listen to something and it's going to be Beyonce. Well, but so the thing is is that Josephine no one no one is saying, "Hey mice, shut the fuck up and listen to Josephine." Uh-huh. Josephine just stands up and it's like it's and performs. Yeah. Which I think is more akin to like a troubadour, a traveling artist, something more along the lines of like someone mm-hmm. get like packing their shit into a car and driving to another town. All right, you think Beyonce get... is like there's been a there's been a connecting of my societies, and Beyonce has become like it's a it's a whole nother. It's a whole other thing. Uh-huh. I don't, I mean, if we're just, I'm just like, I'm just living in my Kafka-esque headspace. Yeah. And I think that you don't think the, the Kafka analysis of Beyonce would be uh, like some sort of horrendous, uh, like, looming behemoth just uh, like laying waste to the countryside. 
Did you listen to the new record? I didn't. I haven't yet either. I will. I want to know what 400 riders and a robot sound like. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know how when people make like, um, like an ad campaign when they're going to spend millions Millions, and millions of dollars and they do test audiences, they do that with this kind of music. Yeah, they do. It's like that level of study where it's like hire an audience and see how stuck it is in their head. So the thing is that I don't think that that's actually made. I, I think that it I think that it is an analysis of what will be effective, but it's not an analysis of what is good. And and that the because the the idea of like a test screening audience, it starts with movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a generally safe bet that a lot of the movies that existed pre-test audience are better. Well, I think that um, I think that inherently human beings are more attracted to stuff they understand. So you don't push boundaries if you're doing something for a test audience. Right. You want something that sounds like something you've heard before and because then it's more digestible and easier to get stuck in your head. Yes. So I think that there's zero boundary pushing when you're doing a test audience, except for what's interesting to me is in the pop world, the place that we do push boundaries um, is the production. Like Britney Spears' Toxic was like notoriously like a production boundary pushing record. And a lot of Beyonce stuff sounds like that too. It's like, I mean, it's just like next level, clean, crisp, clear, insanely polished and that's like that is a boundary being pushed in a in a certain direction but no no other not music not songwriting not like lyrically not um you know harmonically or rhythmically i think that there could be counter arguments to that too i I mean i do think so i think a lot of the producers that are like the most inspiring people on the scene right now like i love boots and arca and i mean yeah it was like they were doing the production for beyonce yeah you know i so i or run the i'm not i'm not dis- the, yeah. so i'm not disagreeing with that uh-huh. but i think that there's also a like a flattening of certain uh, i mean the the best like concrete example that i can give is loudness war yeah so that's uh, that's again that's like that is technically boundary pushing but that's uh explain the loudness wars. okay so i mean it's over now the loudness wars have ended kind of basically well, well ex- there's still rem uh, okay so basically with the advent of digital audio the ability to make a song louder without uh negatively impacting the the bass like noise floor, like introducing noise into a recording, it became uh, much easier to do. And then there is a distinct human psychological effect where if two sounds are played right one after the other and one is louder than the other, your human brain will immediately pick the louder sound as better. Even if they're the exact same sound in every exact other same capacity. Sound. And even every if it's louder only by like a Tiny bit. Tiny bit not noticeable to you. You will associate, you will just go, this sound is better. Yeah. Um, So the start of the loudness wars is the the 50s, where uh, uh, the, uh, like within a jukebox, 
because you you had to go to a bar and put a quarter in a machine, and then you would pick what record you're going to listen to. Old, and old, old, old. But the thing is, is that what you they, had to go to a bar. What they distinctly noticed was that um, songs that were printed louder, because there wasn't any sort of like loudness standards or anything in the 40s and 50s. They were like, yeah, it's a song, print it. Um, but songs that were printed louder got more plays because people thought that they sounded better. So that's where we start to get kind of a, uh, you know, this is where the free market kind of went in and they determined across their competitive fields like what would be like a competitive loudness level throughout like the 60s and 70s. And they went like, this is how loud records are. Uh, And then with the advent of digital technology, they were like, oh, we can go louder. Well, let's do it. So on and so forth. Uh, And then with digital technology, we get into hard limiting, which allows the... um, the level of compression, the average loudness over time, to be basically uh, as just sausagey as you want it. Sausagey, so, as in you're pushing down the highest highs and you're pushing up, up the, the lowest, lowest lows, lows, and you've created a less dynamic overall piece, but you can bring up the entire level. S- level, yes, yes, to be louder. Uh, so, and this is this is loudness over time. Like that's all like we're talking about like through like microseconds loudness over time is how we truly like the human brain perceives loudness over time rather than loudness at a snapshot. That's how we decide that something is louder or not. Um, So we get to the mid nineties and it's just like a, a shovel fest of just like we make it louder and louder and louder. And then the thing is, is that within a digital audio file, uh, there is a point of diminishing returns where you have made it so loud within the file itself that without that dynamic range, there's generally just like a flatness of the image that uh, uh, because the way that the human ear perceives um, front to back information, because we have like side to side, obviously, and then we have front to back, Front to back is determined by the initial transient, the like sharpest, loudest point of a sound, and then its relation to the decay. So by hyper-compressing a file, we've gotten rid of the, the difference between the transient and the decay. That's how we read three-dimensional uh, like sound within space. Causing so, the effect of things feeling flatter or more like 2D. Yes. Yeah. And and then we have other things. We have like increased distortion, uh, other side effects as we go louder and louder and louder and louder. Um, now, the thing is, is that when we, we still have the loudness effect of when we audition two sources. So if something is printed super loud and then it gets played against something that is not printed as loud uh, and you've left and this is important, you've left the volume control on your radio or your monitor or whatever, it's at the same level. Right. We audition these two sources, the louder one upon initial analysis still sounds better. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and without being a huge nerd and going like, hmm, I detect a slightly flattened transient, you're just not going to pick it up. You're going to go like, oh yeah, louder, better. But 
over time and upon repeated listening, you start, you can start to notice like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm losing like some of the depth. Now, when you take two sources, one of which has been like hyper loudness limited uh, and one that's like a decent little boy with like some, uh, some dynamic range and you correct the, uh, you bring the level of the hyper limited file down to match to volume match to volume match or if you volume match with your you know you get a db meter and you have them play it around the same level within the space right that's when you can hear that uh the you've lost something within yeah. the the of hyper depth. loud yeah. process so that's to say um People just kept writing, like, uh, you know, scholarly articles on, like, what we're doing is bad. It sucks. Right. Uh, people got mad. Uh, Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers was a mega-selling sal album and one of the worst limited albums of all time. Super distorted. Flea leaked a copy that wasn't all shitty. Uh, he was like, I hate it so much. <laughs> uh, and he put it on, like, uh, Napster or whatever. So, uh, you know, there's a long time where people were like, please stop doing this, please stop doing this. And then uh, a, grew, a monolithic monopoly went, but if it's not as loud as the other one, then they won't buy it. Right. Uh, so then we get into like streaming normalization, other nerdy shit that I could talk about, and it's technically backed off on it a little bit. Well, because uh, streaming will punish you, is the thing. So that's why, that's where, like, industry standards, I mean, we kind of talked about this in another episode yeah. about industry standards. It's like streaming, for all of the things that are terrible about it, uh, you know, number one, Josephine never getting a, a cent. Um, the one thing that is good is that there's there's punishments if it goes over a certain amount, it'll it'll just turn your song down and then it'll sound worse. So it's it's created some amount of some standard around um how loud you can be. Yeah. And and so we we do have uh, a bit of standardization and a lot of the records that are out now are being printed generally uh quieter, but you still get outliers that are still like pushed to like late nineties stuff. And then it just kind of stacks up weird. If you like do the do the thing. How do we go down this whole rabbit hole? Uh so like super pop productions because uh, you know, you get all the people together and the biggest producers and then they're like pushing boundaries within production. Right. Oh, uh, and you were saying there's negative. There is there's the negative well. there's a yeah. drawback to uh -huh. the monopolization of the of the creative process yeah. as well. Well, it's pushing boundaries in all ways to trick you into liking it. And that right. can be like the clean, polished, uh, incredibly just perfect production sound. And uh, I mean, nowadays there is pushing boundaries of depth, I think, in a lot of my favorite production. So that would be going in, in a new direction than the Loudness Wars. But maybe only going that way because of the streaming you know right well i mean i think that there's always i mean there's always innovation within a creative space uh and that's great and that's great take us down 
Okay, I'll take us down now. So this EP from Josefina is called My Jellyfish. There's a song called Jellyfish. Uh, there's, you know, she's like, this is sci-fi fetish synth pop. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, these are songs about sticky thoughts and background fear. It felt like there was like a general tentacle theme too. Like the aliens had some tentacle um, stuff going dancing on. Dancing hypnotically in place with pink sheer flesh and creeping tendrils. Right. Okay. Tendrils. Yes. So this is, it's important to note, this is very horny. Uh, and the thing is, is that I couldn't help but wonder, I've been seeing jellyfish pop up, so I wanted to deep dive into, are jellyfish horny? Because it just seems like people are getting really horny with the jellyfish. Jellyfish has been a theme, uh, like, going, I mean, I think that, I I thought it was just kind of, like, randomly popping into my life a lot, because I, like... I have a friend who made a whole jellyfish f- jellyfish exhibition. Um, Maris is right. jellyfish uh, eternal is what it was called, and it was it's uh, in the Smithsonian. It, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I don't think it is right now, but right. it was. And then it was. Uh, she she made this giant like installation out of um, trash bags um, that recycling them to create these huge jellyfish, and then. Um, uh, we were just at an underwater clown rodeo this weekend. Yes. And uh, that had a horny jellyfish. A horny jellyfish. So, what's going on with these jellyfish? What What is up with the jellyfish? It, has the jellyfish become a sex symbol? Is this like a Gen Z, like, is this a thing? Uh-huh. Have we discovered uh-huh. a thing? Because it just seems like the jellyfish is very horny. So... I went and Gen tr- Zers, Gen us Zers. millennial olds would like to know what's going on with your horny jellyfishes. Jellyfishes? Am I misreading Jellyf- the yeah. horniness of jellyfish? Is it is it your lens? Am I applying my bias mm. when I, you know, listen to sticky thoughts about jellyfish? You know, I I don't think I'm off base. All right, but you can let me know. Just email. I don't heart radio pod at gmail.com with the subject line horny jellyfish and let me know if jellyfish are horny. So take us to the trash. Is this this is becoming a theme where we just talk about this like cuz we were on ant sex. Oh yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, we're just Oh man. That's okay. That's just a okay. thing we do now. Well, I said I said I thought that that was very highbrow. Uh-huh. We talked about Kafka. We talked about Kafka and uh-huh. socialism and isolationism. There's other things. I could go right back there. We could Let's t- no, tell Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. That's I sucks. don't have that long of an attention I'm span. I'm asking if jellyfish is horny, and I'm trying to find. I, I really ser- I searched away. Uh-huh. You know, jellyfish erotica. How's your algorithm doing? Bad. <laughs> you know how bad it is. All right. What do we got? Um, Well, in my searches of, are jellyfish horny? Mm-hmm. What I really found uh, is that the jellyfish itself is pretty horny. Interesting. I thought th- I know that there's some jellyfish that can just like. Oh, some jellyfish are very not horny. Yeah, I thought they some just, of them just like yeah, pop like they're a, just like plopping. A, yeah, they kind of like a worm. Like they can reproduce without needing. They another. are asexual. Right. So I guess that it's it's a very interesting dichotomy in that some species of jellyfish are very not horny uh-huh. in that they 
don't fuck. Right. This jellyfish doesn't fuck, they uh-huh. say. But the jellyfish that fuck, they fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the most interesting subspecies of jellyfish is that they do a dance. Ooh. Uh, and, uh, well, there's the, okay, I, I'm going to I'm gonna save the dance. There's the medium level of horny jellyfish, okay. and that's just, like, classic, like, they spray the jizz, and then they float through the jizz. That's not that yeah, horny. Yeah, that's not that horny. That's but pretty. But it's, it's hornier than just plopping off a leg. <laughs> right. Okay? But we got we to gotta tier this. Uh-huh. I know, like, we got to rank right. like, how horny is the jellyfish. Okay, okay. So we got jizz cloud. Right. But then we got the dancing, the dancing fucking jellyfish. All right. All right. They wrap their tendrils around and they do like a, they do like a whole dance. And then. What's the the dance look like? You know, it's just kind of like a lot of like flapping. A little flapping? A lot of flapping. Can you see it? Are there like YouTube videos of the dance? I didn't find any YouTube videos of the dance. Huh. I just so have how descriptions do we know the dance? of the They, in, these, the, the, the pervert scientists, scientists that, that. Uh, that do us all the favors uh-huh. of uh, you know getting down into the water and watch a jellyfish fuck. They insist that they dance. Okay. They're like they're dancing. <laughs> sure they are. We're just buddy. trusting. We're just trusting the scientists. Okay. So Trust then the they kind of like wrap up. You know. Uh huh. They twist. Uh huh. And then the man jellyfish shoots out quote packets of sperm, which are then eaten. By the lady jellyfish. She eats them? She eats it. Well, she... they're all like twisting and dancing? No, they like get done dancing. And Is then the he's dance like... like a courting situation? It's like a courting. Ah. Okay. It's like show me what you oh, got. Oh, and there's a, there's a bunch of jellyfish. Uh-huh. Like all the jellyfish are watching. And they're like... Get cool, it. Get it. Yeah, get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's a good get dance. It. Yeah. And then when it's, uh, you know... A suitable dance has occurred. Uh-huh. He goes, "Here's some sperm." This is why culture is important. And and this is this is a uh, this is a nice. Oh, it's a, how it's do we a know if you're good at dancing? It's a refreshingly consensual sex sex act. Really, because he presents the sperm, uh-huh. and then she goes, "Yeah," and eats the sperm. Uh huh. And then they continue dancing. Hell yeah! And fucking and like the night. depositing the sperm uh-huh. and. The man jellyfish will dance and jizz until he has no jizz left. He empties four tubes of jizz. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Four. I, think. I don't know how big these are. We, sure. we don't know. Let's okay. just go with, I mean, people are pretty horny about these jellyfish. It's ropes. Yeah, right. This jellyfish is right. shooting ropes until he's empty. Uh-huh. And then the lady jellyfish, okay. she eats sperm. Until she is entirely full of sperm. Could she be like, nah, I don't want this? No, it's oh. until she's full, because okay. they're super horny. Oh, she does they, want it. Oh, she, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, like, okay. I will, they are fucking and sucking until they have no room or supplies left. And wow. this is, this is taking a, this is like apocalyptic. Uh, this is the, the entire community. Uh-huh. Okay, because it's not, it's, it's like not. an orgy. It is an orgy. Whoa. It's very horny. Okay. Like, because, uh, so these four tubes of jizz, uh-huh. he's not shooting four tubes with one partner. He's like, here is some sperm. Pew! I'm going to go dance with another one. Whoa. And she's not eating one uh, they're just it's it's a it's real all of the sperm situation okay. and they don't stop fucking until they have no other choice because they're out they're out they run or out. they're full uh-huh 
So that's it. So wow. I think that I, I do think that I figured out that jellyfish are pretty horny. Some. Some when jellyfish. When it gets horny, it gets real horny. Real horny. There's not a, the gradient shoots up. Yeah, it's an exponential rise of horniness. We go uh-huh. from like, I'm a worm, why would I fuck? Right. To just like, fucking party town. Well, that's an interesting, you know, it's, I could see why they're, everyone's fascinated. <laughs> fascinated. Fascinated. <laughs> How could you be so hard?